<laughs> and I'm almost, I'm on the verge of feedback. Here it comes. All right, good morning, everyone. Um, we are going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, which is the last chapter. Um, so last week we made it through chapter 11. Uh, where we talked about resting in God's activity, enjoying what God gives. Um, so this should finish up the book today, which is always a little, it's kind of bittersweet. I, I enjoy teaching, but by the time I get to an end of the book, by the time I get to the end of a book, I'm like, I'd really like to have my Saturdays back for a while. <laughs> so um, so there's, there is that. So let's go ahead and we'll read through all of chapter 12, and then we'll pray and get into it. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil day, days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble, and mighty men stoop, and grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim, and the doors on the streets are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of, the so of song will sing softly. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caper berry is ineffective. For man goes to his, his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered, and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered, searched out, and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads. And masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned, the writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this book that you have uh, taken us through. And as we finish up this morning, just pray that you would continue to teach us, to guide us, that we would um, hear from you as you uh, desire to teach us. And, and um, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be the one to, to illumine our hearts, uh, that you would just give us um, the understanding that we need. We thank you that you love us, that you've given all that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I mentioned last week that, that the end part of chapter 11 kind of flows into 12. Um, it didn't make for a very good break for trying to go further into 12 last week. So um, I just want to pick up, I want to go back to verses 9 and 10 right quick. Um, Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So, rem so remove grief and anger from your heart, 
and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. I forgot to, um, that quote that was up there I just saw this morning, went, I'm going to put that in there. Um, so this is, this is where, we're, uh, where we are this morning. One to eight, seek God. Um, I actually had um, seek God with the days you have because he seems to be talking kind of to young, it's directed toward young men, um, but it really applies to all of us. And then nine to 14, be wise. Um, but anyway, so verses nine and 10 in chapter 11 um, begins this thought of where we're going to be at today. So um, Simon tells the young men to enjoy their youth, but also to remember that everything that is done will be judged, whether good or bad. So we start there, and then in verse 10, he tells them to remove grief, which can also be translated sorrow, and anger from their hearts. So remove grief and anger from your hearts. How much control do we have over grief and anger? Not much. Can you avoid all grief? Not really. Can you avoid getting angry? No, not really. What can you do with them? Okay. Porter? Yeah, give, give it to the Lord. Give it away. Um, he, is, he is sufficient to deal with it. So I think that's what he's saying. Um, he says, put away pain, which could also be translated evil from your body because life is short. Um, but even more, the good years of life are short. The prime of life is fleeting. And I think that's kind of what he's getting at. So then we get to, verse, uh, to chapter 12, um, and he encourages us to seek the Lord when we are young. And then for like seven and a half verses, he tells us about how horrible old age is if we don't, um, if we don't seek the Lord. So we're going to work our way through this section a piece at a time. It seems very possible to me that Solomon is really describing his experiences of aging. Um, and so there's some interesting imaging in here, imagery in here, and I can pretty well assure you that I had to look at commentaries to try to figure out what in the world all this meant. But uh, once you start kind of getting into it, you go, oh, okay, I, I, think, I think I understand a little bit. So um, that first verse, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. So what is he saying about old age? <laughs> What's that? The evil days. I think he's just saying it's harder to enjoy everything. I'm gonna, I, sorry if I keep looking at you, Porter. I, <laughs> I, may, I may just be looking for confirmation here a lot. No, I'm sorry about that. Um, it's just harder to enjoy the days as you grow older. Your body hurts more. You don't have as much energy. Food doesn't taste as good. Harder to chew. Everything takes more effort. The delight is gone. It's harder to enjoy everything. Right. That you can't enjoy as much. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, yeah, there you go. That's a theory. Um, Verse 2, before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened and clouds return after the rain. This seems to kind of point back 
to all of the references throughout the book of vanity, futility, um, obscurity. The seasons go by one by one, year after year, decade after decade, um, and things keep going, keep happening the same over and over and over. And so I think when he's talked throughout the book about things being wearying, this is just, it's just uh, tiring. It's the same thing happens over and over and over. Um, and let's keep in mind that I think he's talking about when not seeking the Lord. And, and so, you know, you think about Solomon's life and, and how he lived his life. Um, the Lord was th there, but not, you know, he, we look at his life and the things he did, and he did not follow the precepts of the Lord the way that he should have. So um, the, the delight is gone. It's harder to enjoy. It's, um, and it's just things are wearying, I think. And then verse 3, In the day that the watchman of the house... Um, in the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and mighty men stoop. <laughs> As men grow older, we grow weaker. Um, I think about my dad. My dad is now 82, turns 82 this month. And, um, you know, he got remarried recently, and so he moved to where her house is. So I built him a new wood shop, and he's been trying to get his wood shop back together. And so every time we go up there for dinner or whatever, Almost every time he'll be like, hey, uh, boys, can you come help me, you know, do, put something up, whatever. And he's like, I just don't have the strength that I used to have, you know. And so he had Sam and Ollie both go, to go help him with something. He was like, can you guys put that up? And Ollie's like, okay. <laughs> he's like, ah. strength wanes. You know, we don't, we don't keep those things. Again, we could talk about, I could let the scientists go about the biology and how our cells don't reproduce or whatever it is that, that goes. But we just recognize that as we get older, our strength goes. Um, talks about men stoop, we get hunched over, just don't have the strength we once had. Um, then continuing on in that verse, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few and those who look through windows grow dim. Uh, again, the commentaries would suggest that these are grinding ones are referring to teeth, your grinders, um, being fewer and less effective, and then um, talking about eyes growing dim, not seeing as well. Verse 4, and the doors on the streets are shut as, at the sound of the grinding, uh, as the gr sound of the grinding mill is low, and one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. I feel there's a little bit of poetic, you know, waxing poetic. But, um, but again, according to the commentaries, the shutting doors would refer to ears um, that don't hear as well. Rising at the sound of the bird probably means that uh, he doesn't sleep as well anymore. He's, uh, it doesn't take much to wake him up, or maybe he's awake at the sound of the first bird that's singing and so just doesn't, get a, doesn't sleep as well as he used to. Um, the softly singing daughters may mean that he can't hear people singing as well uh, he, as he used to, or he, wakes, um, or he wakes early but falls asleep early when there's music to listen to, kind of like falling asleep in front of the TV or movie or whatever. Um, you know, my, my dad and, and his wife were talking about some movie that they watched, and they're like, oh, the first half was good. <laughs> Never saw the second half because they both fell asleep, you know, so... Um, 
verse 5, furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and terrors on the road. As we get older and less sure-footed, it's scarier to be near a cliff or, a, or be near a busy street. Um, carrying on in verse 5, the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. So apparently when an almond tree blossoms, it looks much like a white head of hair. When the weather starts to turn cold, toppers lose their liveliness, as oftentimes we do. It didn't used to bother me. Um, it used to be when I worked for uh, great homes here in town, uh, there was a, a um, trim carpenter. He was a guy, he was a little older. He was like in his late 60s, maybe early 70s, and he was a real skinny guy. And whenever it would get cold, he'd be like, oh, I hate the cold, you know. Like, man, I love the cold. I hate the heat, you know. And, and he's like, yeah, just wait till you get older. I'm like, nah, never going to be a problem. That's the last words. <laughs> These last two or three years, I'm like, you know, the boys will be walking around in shorts and a T-shirt, and I've got, like, pants and socks and a T-shirt and a sweatshirt on, and I'm still cold, you know. It just as we get older, things change. Um, the caper berries were supposed, uh, were supposed to help with sexual virility, um, but in declining years, nothing helps. So um, there the end of verse 5, for man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. So we're, we're familiar with the story of Jesus healing the little girl, and he goes in and, you know, she's died, and he says she's asleep, and the, the professional mourners are there laughing at him. So we're kind of familiar with that imagery because of the New Testament. Um, so apparently it was a thing back then for people to go about mourning in the streets when, you, when someone died. So verse 6, remember him, which is going back to remember God, the creator, before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed, the pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. So those are all bad things that could happen. But it's possible, again, one of the commentaries was talking about, that they could be alluding to the human body. So the silver cord could be your spine, um, golden bowl, your head, the pitcher, the heart, uh, the wheel, your digestive organs. So, okay, bad things happen, got that. And then verse 7, um, and I think, I think 6 is, is, re is really referring to death, and then 7 uh, as well. Then the dust will return to earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So that whole idea of ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And the spirit remains alive and returns to God who created it to be eternal and imperishable. So he's talking about death. And then he finishes this section, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanities. So just in case you were feeling a little too up from all that, just want to make sure we come back with vanity of vanity, all is vanities. Um, so where did all this start? Verse 1, where did he start? Remember your creator. Remember your creator when? When you're young. Why? Okay. Why not go ahead and sow your wild oats? And return to the, old, the Lord when you're older. After you've had your fun. Why not? Okay, that's one thing. You may not ever get older. Your fun may do you in. What else? 
What's that? Okay. Yep, you set your course. Anything else? Because you'll waste your life. Yeah. You're not going to look back and go, boy, I sure am glad I did all those things I really wanted to do. Yeah. You're not going to look back and say, yeah, Amy, go ahead. Yes. Nothing that I can go, man, look at, look at what I did with my life, you know, how I spent it on myself, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is regret, typically. I mean, yeah, certainly when we come to Christ, it is. Um, Right. Right. And it's interesting because our kids, I think, uh, you know, both Heather and I grew up in, you know, Christian homes. And so, you, and, and you see a lot of people who grow up, you know, and I, you know, I accepted the Lord early on. You have a different set of issues you have to deal with, but I don't think they're nearly as bad. You know, you, you still got to go, okay, do I... This was, this was my parents' God. Is this now my God? Do I, you know, do I believe those things or not? Um, but those are a whole lot better than all the, all the garbage I have to deal with if I decided I was going to live my life the way I wanted to. I'll do it my way. Thank you very much. And, you know, that kind of thing. So um, it's a different, different set of issues. Um, living your life on your own terms doesn't work. And why not? Because sin is slavery. We tend to think that, well, if I'm doing what I want to do, I am free. I am free to do whatever I want to do. No, it's quite the opposite. We are slaves when we're doing the things that we want. When we do what our flesh wants, we are slaves to that. We do not have the freedom to do righteous do holy things. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing of any value. Um, yeah. John 6, 16 to 18. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Second Peter, by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. I think that reference was wrong before. That was Romans, not John. I was like, that is not right. <laughs> so that should have been Romans chapter 6, 16 to 18. Um, and then 2 Peter, by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. 
I think that as we're talking to young people, we need to have good answers. We need to be able to communicate these truths. When our grandkids or our kids ask us questions, or even if they don't ask us questions, if we're listening carefully, we should be able to pick up on the clues and the cues of, okay, this, this is the right time for this conversation. Um, we need to be looking for those. We need to have good answers. We need to be able to tell them and look them in the eye and say, sin is not freedom, it is slavery. We need to be ready to tell them, not just because I say so, but because these things, are, these things are true, and this is how they play out in life. Just one example that comes up so frequently in our society, why doesn't sleeping around with whoever you want to work out? Or shacking up with your boyfriend or girlfriend? What's wrong with that? Well, we want to test things out first. Peace and joy come from God's perfect plan of one man, one woman, in a covenant relationship till death do us part. You cannot freely give yourself to someone or expect them to do the same if neither of you know you're not being compared to multiple others. God's plan is perfect. Porter, were you going to say something? Right, yeah. And I've heard, the similar, I've heard a similar study that said that specifically it was talking about women, but the more partners they have, the harder it is for them to ever bond with anybody. And so it's like it's breaking down. You know, we think, well, it just makes sense, this human wisdom. You know, God's, God's perfect plan is what makes sense. We can come up with all kinds of justifications because it's what we think we want to do. Again, we think we want to do this, when in reality, it is, it is slavery. Um, there is a beautiful, a beauty and a joy and contentment when you have no one to compare your wife or husband to because there was never another. What a blessed, beautiful thing. God's plans for us are good. We need to be convinced of that and encourage young people of that. Old age is coming for us all, should the Lord tarry. <laughs> this passage doesn't just apply to young people. It really doesn't. We all should be asking, how am I living the days he gives me? From this point on, from today on, how am I living the days that he gives me? regardless of how old I am. Remember the creator in the day, your creator in the days of your youth. You're never going to be any younger than you are right now. So it applies to everyone right now. All right, let's move on to the next section. So verse 9. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered, searched out, and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. So as I was thinking about it some more this morning, it does seem possible that Solomon 
after just describing what may not have been the life he wished he had lived. Perhaps he recognizes that he could have made better use of his time, is trying to say, but I also did some things right, you know. I don't know, that's just maybe. Um, Verse 10 is a good starting place for anyone who thinks they're ever called um, to write or to teach. Find Find good words, find helpful words. You know, even in exhortation, we shouldn't have to, shouldn't have to get mean too often, you know. Um, find words, find ways to express um, in a way that people are ready to hear. Um, and it doesn't mean that we don't say offensive things, because some things are offensive, but it doesn't mean we have to be offensive in how we say the offensive things, if that makes sense. Heather's nodding, so I'm going, okay, maybe that did. (laughs) Verse 11, the words of wise men are like goads, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But, But beyond this, my son, be warned, the writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. So what is he getting at when he says wise words are given by one shepherd? Yeah, yeah. You ever heard all truth is God's truth? All wisdom, all true wisdom comes, originates with God. All truth is God's truth. All right, so what is a goad? Anybody know? Yeah. It's a sharp, pointy stick to get animals to move where you want them to go and go when they don't want to go. How are wise words like goads? Yeah. Yeah, they get your attention, don't they? Have you ever noticed that some people just have a way of saying things that causes you to see things in a new light? It's maybe not a new revelation of truth, it's just you go, oh, yeah, okay. I, I hadn't seen it that way before. Like a lot of those pithy little posters hanging in offices across America. <laughs> some of them are stupid, but some of them, some of them are actually well-written. Um, and, of course, a well-driven nail is not easily moved. Um, I was actually cutting a tree down at our house. There was a dead oak tree that I cut down, and I kept breaking, like, I'd hit something with a chain. I'm like, breaking my chain on my chainsaw. I'm like, what in the world? And finally, when I finally got it out and I finished cutting it with a sawzall so it wouldn't matter to the blade, there's like all these nails in there. I'm like, what? But it grown around them, you know? It, so it was like, I don't know how many nails were in that stuff, but it was a ton of them. Um, but I lost my place. Give me just a second. Like, well-driven nails have a way of staying put, like good teachings. So a good teacher will give you some nails to hang things on. Thoughts, ideas, points, concepts. Um, hopefully you walk away with a couple things. You go, okay, I, I remember those things. And you may be like me that when I hear, there are a lot of things that I'll hear And if it agrees with what I already think, but it's just kind of, a lot of times those things will kind of get assimilated into my thinking, and it'll be like, 
Okay, I know I didn't come up with that, but I don't remember who I heard it from, but it just fits in, so I kind of just, I just kind of let it, it, it's just part of my thinking at that point. Um, so you may do that, and that, that's what a good teacher will do, is, is help you just see things in a different way. Um, why do you think he warns against writing and reading many books? What's wrong with books? Okay, yeah. Somebody else's thought, somebody else's opinion. What else? Right. Yeah. Yeah, because I know them, it must be true of me. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and books aren't the real world. They may, they, hopefully they apply to the real world. But if you're only interacting with books, then you're not inter interacting with people. And it, that's not what God has called us to. What's that? Right. Right. Yeah. But he also lived life. Right. Yeah. 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 And there are people who can devour books. You know, I, I, I thought used to think I was a relatively fast reader or at least a good reader. And Heather can read two or three times as fast as I can and can take it in much better. She can assimilate it better than I can. So some people are just gifted at they can consume a lot of that and still go out and live life. But, but if you're just consumed with books, it, I, I think it, we're not called to just be interacting with facts. And Israel? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like was said up here, that, that the rest of it is, it's outside. It, it, and we've all read some good things that point us to back to the word and help explain some things. But still, if we're if that's our focus, and we're not in the word, then we're missing out. Um, it's like when I when I come to a passage, I don't I don't read commentaries until I've read through a passage a bunch, you know. And if I I'm, I'm going to pray about it, I'm going to read through it, I'm going to pray about it, and read through it, and read through it, and. And if at some point I'm going, okay, I don't know what all this means, you know, <laughs> the imagery in the first part of this chapter, I'm like, uh, then I'll go to a commentary. But our, our first, our first um, source should always be the Word of God, trusting the Holy Spirit because He's the one who says, I will illuminate. I will illumine the, the Scriptures so that you can understand it. So um, that should always be our first first step. Um, we were not created for theories and ideas. We were created to interact with people and to interact with God's Word. Um, people can also be wearying, but avoiding them isn't a good solution. All truth is God's truth. All wisdom comes from Him. So are we seeking that wisdom? All right, verses 13 and 14. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. 
For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So after 12 chapters, Solomon says you can boil it all down to this. Fear God and keep his commandments. So my question is, what does fearing God mean to you? Okay, healthy respect. What else? Okay. Right. And he says here, every deed will be judged. And that's what we hear. It, good and bad is going to be, the, the books are going to be open and everything's going to be, here it is. What'd you do? What'd you do with this life? And he's the one who knows. One reason we fear him is because we, and, and it's, again, it's this respect because we know he knows every thought. You know, as close as I am to Heather, I'm not closer to anybody else in the world. She doesn't know every thought in my head. She doesn't know everything that goes on. God does. He sees it all. Revere God. Give him reverence. Place him at the highest place. Show him respect in all things. Never forget where he resides. What he has accomplished and what he is still doing. He is still completely active in this world. Whether you think you see him or not, he certainly is. <coughs> and then verse 14, this is not just a Jewish truth or a Christian truth or even a deist truth. This applies to everyone, every human being. Everyone will face judgment for everything they do, seen or unseen, good or evil, kind or unkind. So we ought to live and in Oh, so how ought we to live and encourage others? All right, I, I kind of have a, a final exam here as we're at the, uh, at, at the end of the, the book here. I'm not putting anything up there yet. But. Vanity of vanities. We've heard that several times throughout this book. We've discussed it several times. What do you think that means? What's that? Okay. The height of emptiness. And what is that height of emptiness? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Seeking self, living this life apart from Christ, living this life in a way to glorify myself, living for me, is vanity of vanities. And this world keeps turning, and we can keep doing the same things day after day, year after year. And there's a lot of people that do. Get up in the morning, go to work, do my thing, come home, eat dinner, go to bed, get up the next morning, go to work. A lot of people that do that. And to a large degree, there are a lot of us that do that. We do that same thing. 
But is that our focus? If that's your focus, then that is vanity of vanities. That is hopeless. That is sad. That is not what we were created for. Yep. Mm-hmm. But even if fitting for those, I mean, even though it's hopeful and purposeful, it's the wrong person, it's the wrong purpose, and that's just as empty as not having anything. Right. Because, again, it, apart from him, we can do nothing. Right, and all those things that they're saying are tied back to that. Yeah. Well, we were talking this morning on the way Heather brought up, you know, the the whole, you know, environmentalists and you know, which is a religion. You know, for a lot of people, it is a religion. She was asking, do you think you know, those people really are that dedicated? I don't remember exactly, but anyway, you know, I was like, I don't think the people at the top, I think all they want is power. And the eco thing is convenient, you know. But other people are, are sold out to it. And, you know, yes, we should be responsible with the earth. But God says it's going to burn up in the end. He's going to deal with the earth and the things that are of it. So to say we're going to save the earth is total waste of time. You know, um, Should we use it responsibly? Yes. Should we do stupid things? No. But they have good intentions, and the things they say sound good, but it's worthless because it's not in Christ. Right, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and and ultimately, even even the kind doing kind things, even doing nice things for people with a wrong motivation, is not beneficial. I mean, it it feels nicer, and people treat you nicer, but. If we believe what John 15 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Even if you're giving, you know, cold water to someone, to a dying person or whatever it is, the nicest things that we can do apart from Christ are dirty rags. So, um, all right, let me try to wrap it up here real quick. Um, 
This world we live in is temporal. Time flies by much faster than we would have thought when we were younger. Agreed? Young guys, just the way it is. Um, if all you are living for is this life, you will be extremely sorely disappointed. It is vanity. The problem is, if you don't take the advice of those who are older and wiser, who have walked the paths of selfishness only to discover late in life how foolish their choices were, if we, our kids, don't hear and understand these truths, we and they are doomed to waste our lives. Waste our lives in slavery to what we mistakenly believe are our own desires. Don't believe the lies that lead to years of vanity. One more verse. The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus gives abundant life. Life without Christ is vain. It is empty. It is pointless. Jesus came and gave us life. Life abundant and free from sin. We can live our best life now, to borrow that from someone who means something different, we can live, I said that and I just lost, our place, lost my place. Oh, yeah. Um, when we are living with Jesus Christ as our source, we can live our best life now because he is our best life. He is the best life we can have. Then we can say meaningful, meaningful, or significant, significant, all is significant. Even the little things can be significant when I'm, being prompted by the Spirit. When Christ is saying, go do this thing, go over here, and I'm going, why? Why am I here? I don't, this doesn't make any sense. Obedience. Just trust me. Walk. Do what I say. He redeems the evil days. All right. That is all I have for the book of Ecclesiastes. Would anyone like to add anything or... Ask any tough questions? I'll refer them to somebody else. <laughs> All right. John, would you pray for us? Yes. Thanks.